Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rabbit's Ramblings, KRBT, the Quiet Rabbit. Hop, 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 hop. This is podcast fifteen, and I'm speaking to you with radio voice. And now, enjoy the show. So in the last couple of days in Rabbit World time, Guild Wars 2 has made some cool announcements. They've announced their newest class, which is the Engineer, which is a pew-pew, red range, use guns and turrets and traps kind of guy. Not my kind of thing, but very cool animations. And they've also had an interview which mentioned that they aren't going to do quests at all. No quests. You just have the the dynamic encounters that you run into as you're traveling through the world. This gets into the aspect of a couple of different kind of content types that both excite me and concern me with this announcement. And to give you guys sort of an idea of of what I'm talking about, I'll start with sort of a, a history of how content has been in massively multiplayer games up until um, this point, which would be, you know, the launch of Guild Wars 2, which isn't until, you know, later in 2011. Or uh, already happened if, if you're living in the future. Back with EverQuest 1 in 99 when it launched, we had what we refer to, well, you know, the industry refers to as static content. That was content that didn't change unless the developers specifically patched the game and, you know, altered the basically the whole world. There were, you know, zones, and in these zones there were camps. Uh, as they were called. I don't know if that's an official you know, developer term or not, but it's certainly a gamer term. And within these camps, there were spawns, which were you know, the monster in that area. And pretty much, they didn't roam around too much. I mean, there were roving monsters, but back in the day, they pretty much just spawned, and the majority of all the bad guys just stayed in their spot. So you had this camp, and you knew exactly where they were going to spawn. They're, they're going to spawn there, they are there and there, and in that spot, sometimes there's a boss who occasionally spawns, you know, they had various timers, and, and some came as quickly as every few minutes, but some were on timers of like 22 hours. They would only appear once. And back then, there also weren't any quests, just like Guild Wars 2 is trying to, I guess, return to in a way. And you just you just explored. You went around, and you looked around, and you saw what was there. As an example, the high elves and the regular elves, I guess, wood elves, I guess they were called. Pretty much everybody just called them regular elves. Because, you know, the high elves are all, ho, ho, we're high elves. uh." Anyways, they started in, in an area that was very close to one another, which was right outside of this sort of hill slash forested area where orcs sometimes spawned and wandered around there were you know fixed camps within that that area and then on the other side of that was this place called crushbone which was i think the orc capital and that was a dungeon so it was you know it had a lot of fixed spawns and there were a couple bosses in there it wasn't instance like like we know today which is the next sort of evolutionary step it was just all 
different zones and there were camps within the zones. There were zone lines, so you could run past the line and they couldn't chase you. But that's not really important to my argument. Anyways, there were, you know, the static areas and basically the monsters didn't cross their area. They spawned where they spawned and there were a few that had set patrol points. You know, they would travel from point A to point B and back. But they were 100% predictable. And then we come along to... I guess it's almost about five years later, World of Warcraft and Guild Wars 1 comes along and they introduce instancing, which is an evolution of static content. Guild Wars 1 was completely instanced, so that meant that this zone had sort of a different feel, I guess, or, and was closed or open to certain people. Like, a lot of it was instanced just for that one player. So they would be the only one in the zone. So they could go through and they could kill monsters, and the monsters would stay dead. They didn't, they didn't respawn because you didn't have to worry about respawning because there weren't other players coming along that needed to kill stuff. It was just that one player. With World of Warcraft, they used instancing for just the dungeons, which was sort of a mix between the two styles. It allowed them to have fixed spawn points and fixed patrols, but it also allowed them to have certain events happen. Like when the player enters this area, it triggers this boss, and the boss flies in and he's all, ah, I'm the boss, I'm going to kill you now. And he can do special abilities and whatnot. So that was sort of a small evolution. The one that has me concerned with Guild Wars 2 is sort of the the third version that we've seen. And that version came out a few years later with Warhammer and Rift a few years after Warhammer. And that is what I would call it's it's called dynamic content, but what I would really call it was sort of a merry-go-round slash theme park style. Warhammer more so than Rift, I would say. And in Warhammer they were called public quests. But these these are really, um, they sort of have like a, a pattern to them. They're not really fixed content per se, but they're, I guess you could say staged content. With Warhammer, it was like, you would say that there's this open area, and then suddenly a boss would appear, and he would be like, Wah! Minions, come to me! And the next stage would start and minions would spawn, and then he would say, Ugh! Minions attack! And then the minions would move forward and attack the city. And it would go through different phases of this this event. And so the players could come in and they could stop the event at any point, or you know it could progress to its furthest point, and then maybe they could beat it back down sort of in reverse. And Rift is sort of the same way with its rifts. It has... It has kind of, it's supposed to be random, but you really know where it's going to happen. Like with Warhammer, these events, these public quests had fixed locations. And with Rift, even though it's random, there really is kind of a discernible pattern. Once you've done the same Rift three or four times, you know there's nothing there right now, but, you know, eventually a Rift could spawn there. It's like sort of invisible points you can see in your mind. They may or may not be there at the time. But my problem with these is that they they sort of revolve repeatedly. 
It's like with Warhammer Public Quest, you could get into there and say there's five phases, and you get into phase three, and you're like, ooh, that was fun. I wish I could have seen the first few phases. Well, you sit there for five or ten more minutes, and it cycles back around and around and around and around. And you do it two or three times in a row, and you get you get pretty tired of it. You're like, okay, now, now I'm going to move on because, you know, I've been there, done that. And then if you go through there with another character, you're like, oh, I've done that enough times. I don't need to do it again. And the same thing is starting to happen with Rift for a lot of people, I think. I know me in particular, I, I don't really care about the Rifts. I mean, yes, it is dynamic. The Rifts come up and you beat through the phases. But it, it's sort of like if you've done one Rift, you've done them all. They do have slightly different themes to them and different goals. But basically, it's still, you know, phase one starts and you beat up a bunch of bad guys until, you know, phase four or maybe phase five when it ends. There is content for when it when it hits sort of a, a point where it's been sitting there long enough untouched, they will send out invasion forces and the invasion forces will set up sort of footholds and those footholds will move on to maybe beat up and take over a town. But pretty much it's it's the same phased content. There's, you know, like with the Warhammer public quests, there's, you know, the rift phase, the invasion phase, the beating up in the town phase, and the taking over the town phase. It's fun. It's different. But like the other day when I was there with my level 30 character and there, there weren't a whole lot of other, you know, people in the zone, this invasion came along, and it, it was this big, huge invasion, and these these high-level elite mobs took over my questing hub, and there wasn't anything I could do. I, I, I just sat there. I tried to kill them. I couldn't kill them. And it's like, okay, well, now what? This is not fun at all. So I had to log out with that character, log back in with my 50, come in, beat up that invasion, and then log back in so I could continue with my character. It's fun in all the first few times, but then it starts to get kind of tired. And this is my big concern with the Guild Wars 2 announcement. Dynamic content is awesome. It's a great evolution. It's a wonderful step away from the static content we've had. And it's sort of an enhancement improvement on the instance content because it's not necessarily instance. It could be. It could not be. It has the potential to get back to role-playing roots because if you instance a dynamic content event, you know, and Guild Wars 2 is going to do this, they're saying you can have this, this instanced dynamic content and depending on the result, if you win or lose or whatever, it will change that character's perception of the world forever in that area. So I'm all for seeing how awesome that is. But I'm concerned about the the sort of main bulk, I guess you could say, of the, the dynamic content. One specific thing mentioned in the article that I read was there's going to be these centaurs and they're going to attack this town. So, you know, we can assume there's different phases of the centaurs are in their town, you know, gathering their forces. The centaurs are slightly expanded. The centaurs are attacking the town. And then the centaurs have beaten the town up. And... You know, then there's the reverse of that as players fight them back. They release the town, they release the area, and they beat up the centaurs in their hometown. So my concern is that that's going to be fun for a few times, 
but then it's going to start to feel like a merry-go-round, a, a sort of theme park ride. Ooh, I rid that. Okay, now I'll, you know, I'll go shopping in the town. And while you're shopping, you know, 10 minutes later, the centaurs are back and you beat them back again. And then you go back to shopping and the centaurs are back again. You know, so I'm I'm concerned that it could become too theme parky. And that was the problem with Warhammer was that you did this public quest and then a couple minutes later it starts right back up again and a couple minutes later it starts right back up again so it's it's a good evolution it's a great step forward and it is it is dynamic in the way that it changes but i don't know that it's quite all the way there yet hopefully guild wars 2 will make good on its promises and it will be all the way there but if it just goes back and forth from stage a b c d you know d and back to a I, I don't know how awesome that's going to be. Players might get kind of tired of it. So here's hoping for the future that it does well and that uh, we do see a true next evolution. For this bit, I want to talk about something that's kind of a, maybe, a, I guess you could call it a pet peeve. As some people know, I talk a lot on forums and I give hardware advice. Um, you know, my site does that, but I, I do posts and stuff that is a little bit more specific and targeted to what the person, you know, the person in question is asking. And I realize it, it took me quite a long time to get to the point, I, I suppose you could say emotionally where you know I gave specific kind of advice in a specific way it's like when you start giving advice you tend to be really biased towards um, you know your your own personal likes and interests as well as your own personal manufacturers I still do recommend certain manufacturers and uh, uh, certain parts over others but that's typically because it is the best part or the manufacturer offers a better warranty or they tend to be you know categorized in the upper percent of manufacturers of said part when I recommend parts it's for a specific reason and I'm addressing specific issues and those issues are based on what the person in the post has expressed and this is kinda just maybe a little overly rambly for normal podcasts but the point came up that I've kind of backed off from the Rift forums because prior to launch, I was there a ton, and I was pretty much the tech guy. And when I was at the, the Gamer Day function, the developers actually said thank you for me, um, to me, because I answered a lot of stuff that they then didn't have to spend the time to answer, but also I could answer it in a way that was a little bit more specific and targeted towards the people and you know developers don't always have the freedom to say you know X equals Y because you know they, they can't state that as pure fact and it's you know bad form um, as a developer to say that X equals Y you know there's there's no absolutes there's a lot of I mean that th there are some absolutes you know something like a, a 10 year old computer obviously isn't gonna run the game 
but you know something more recent than that should be able to play at some kind of settings and there's you know a little bit of a fuzzy line as to where exactly that line cuts off and I as you know not a developer can put that bar a little bit higher and and say for certainty well you might be able to play with this but I recommend you do that and so you know over the years I've gotten more and more flexible to sort of balancing what the person in the post is asking and what is realistic. And the, the thing that, that prompted this recently was I backed off of the reforms because now I'm playing and, um, you know, I can't spend time playing and posting on the forums. You know, something has got to give somewhere. So since the forums is a constant influx of new people and I, I have no reputation there anymore, I really pretty much leave it to other people to to dole out uh, advice and, and for the most part they're fine except recently this one guy who has sort of taken it upon himself to take over my old position as it were he I think is someone who is newer to giving advice because a lot of his advice a lot of it's spot on but a lot of it too is really obviously heavily biased I mean he's he's heavily AMD biased and he's heavily you know AMD graphics card which is formerly known as ATI and recently somebody asked, hey, can I run two NVIDIA GTX 560 Ti's and run triple monitor and do okay? And I posted, yeah, you should be fine with that. And as a matter of fact, the 560, no, no Ti prefix, just came out and that's a little bit cheaper. It's about, you know, depending on where you live and the exact card you get, it's about 30 to 50 bucks cheaper. So you multiply that by two. You're talking about saving a hundred bucks. You know, if money is really tight, you might want to consider that because that should be just fine. And the other guy flat out said, no, you're going to have a terrible experience. You got to get at least a GTX 570 and you got to get monitors that are 120 megahertz or better or it's going to be a terrible experience. And I'm thinking, no, this is horrible advice. And I did the math on it. I looked it up and it was a difference of the the base level 560 dual card that I was recommending plus the average monitor of about $180 added up to be about $1,000. His advice, his changes, his recommendations would have added up to $1,700 and a difference of $700. I, I posted a reply that was not friendly but not overly insulting. I said, yeah, everybody has a spare 700 bucks to just drop on a whim because they feel like it would be a much better experience. It's like, no, you know, if the guy has that much money, sure. If he has an extra couple hundred bucks, sure, you know, go with the, the better graphics card because obviously that's going to give you a better experience and be more worth the money because you're talking about triple monitor. So that's, that's a lot of horsepower you're going to need. But if he doesn't, if he is skirting that edge, if this, you know, 560 GTIs or 560 not GTI is all he can afford, you know, why not try it? You can get the triple monitor experience. It should be just fine. The previous generations, when they started, AMD started and they had reviews, you know, up on YouTube and reviewers said that a single AMD 5850 could run triple monitor just fine. So dual NVIDIA 560s, even the base version, would be more powerful and so he should be fine and even if you're not even if you are out there running and, and you're thinking about doing this just always remember you don't have to run triple monitor if a game performs horribly like you know in the future maybe 
a new game comes out and it's really intensive and it just can't handle it in triple monitor or you just can't find any settings that you're happy with you can always cut back you can turn off two monitors in theory and then set it to 1920 by 1080 single monitor and you can run just fine you know just by changing the graphics setting I personally don't have it yet you know being that I'm still homeless and I'm running on a laptop but in theory I don't I don't see any reason why you couldn't just set the game to be 10 you know 1920 by 1080 instead of whatever it is 5600 something you know and then it it should recognize it and run single monitor just fine so when thinking about advice and and looking to ask for advice if somebody says you'll be just fine and somebody else says no you're probably going to be terrible you might want to do a little bit of research on your own. Um, you know, obviously, if you're on the board, you're you're looking for help with advice. But you know, just you're on the internet's already. You know, you're talking on the forum, so you're obviously on the internet's. Just put in what you're looking for. In this case, the guy could have put in dual GTX 560 triple monitor, and you'll probably get some hits. You might get some YouTube videos. Everybody's on YouTube these days, so you'll have users just like you. You'll have people who are more enthusiast level like me, and you'll have professionals who do full reviews, and they'll post stuff on YouTube as well. So you might get some reviews there, or you might get some links to some articles, and maybe it'll be a little bit techno babbly heavy for you, but you can pretty much always just skip to the end and look at the conclusion and, and read the conclusion, and that's pretty much always plain language as it were. Or you can look at some benchmarks and go, okay, these are getting, you know, below, you know, half the frame rates of this other thing. Maybe that is pretty low. And most people realize that, you know, you, you want really somewhere around 30 to 60 frames per second, ideally. But, you know, 20 to 30 is still very playable. And especially with a, an online MMOG where it's, it's more turn-based-ish than not, I mean, if you're talking about a, a first-person shooter, you you absolutely want as fast as you can get. But you know, that's that's there's there's always a balance. And if somebody says you can't do it, you know, don't automatically assume that you can't. You know, if you have a certain budget, and there there is a way you can do it, maybe you have to sacrifice a few settings. Maybe you have to, you know, in this case, not do it. Go down to single monitor, and um. You know, in the future, you can you can change and adjust as needed, or you know, per game, you can change and adjust as needed. So, when seeking advice, and those of you out there giving advice, you know, be very very mindful of what is this person asking. You know, don't say, "Oh, you're gonna have a terrible time. That's not gonna work," or "Oh, you need to spend way more money than that." You know, these people are targeting a specific range of money for a reason. They have this much money to spend you can probably tell them spend a little bit more here and there and it'll probably be okay but in a case like this there's no way you can tell them you know the guy's looking for to spend about a thousand bucks there's no way you can tell him spend 1700 bucks instead and, and he's just gonna be like okay sure you know that's not gonna work you know i tell people quite often you know they're looking to get a 50 to 75 dollar graphics card i tell them honestly you know you're really not going to have very playable frame rates. It's not going to be very enjoyable. I would highly recommend you spend closer to, you know, 100 to 125 as a minimum. And, you know, something like that is, you know, it, it's still double the price. But, I mean, there's a very big difference between $75 and $150 and 1000 and 1700 So, 
when giving advice, when asking for advice, just be mindful. You know, you know, take into account that people might not be, you know, quite accurate as to to what you are looking for and what your limitations are. And you know, if you have limitations, don't give up. Look around. You know, do some more searching. See what more than one or two people say. This is kind of a, a sidestep to the the overall topic for the podcast. But, you know, I don't always have everything on topic all the time. But it, it's an important point that I, I thought I would mention. And I've, I've briefly touched on this before in the, in the past podcasts. But I, uh, I got some new music, as, as you may have heard. I may put in some other new music. I don't know yet. But I was looking up just how old that... Uh, the new music is and it it shocked me to see that it was uh almost exactly not counting the months almost exactly 30 years old and i go oh no the bunny really feels old now because now you know this this movie is 30 plus years old most of the audience listening probably won't have a clue as to what it is although a lot of you out there may be listening specifically because i have references to older stuff but it touches again on the topic that different gamers have different experiences. Um, there's several guildies in my, my online game who have no you know, online MMOG experience at all. They're brand new to it. They may be brand new to gaming uh, you know, overall. I don't know. There's, there's all kinds of different gaming. I mean, there's pen and paper gaming. There's arcade gaming. There's handheld gaming. There's collectible card gaming. There's you know, PC gaming, console gaming, all strategy gaming, miniature gaming, all kinds of gaming. And with with each of these categories, you know, a, a person can have different levels of experience. I've got, you know, 30, 30 plus years of experience uh, gaming, um, probably, probably close to, uh, well, slightly more than 30 plus. But anyways, uh, you know, pen and paper gaming, you know, existing systems, systems I designed, um, a, a smattering of miniature experience, um, you know, tons of video game experience, you know, in, in older PC systems as well as console systems, arcade experience. You know, all these experiences add up and they, and they pile onto me as a person in my overall experience in in role playing and playing games in general and it just it just kind of touched on, on on the fact again that you know uh, not too long ago somebody asked me how long I'd been tanking I said like 5 years and you know it just made me think of the other the other guildy who's who's sort of leveled up at the same time as me who's who's trying to learn how to tank but he's brand new he's never tanked he's never played an MMOG and it just it just speaks to you know different levels of experience, and it's something to, something to keep in mind. You know, when you meet a new player, maybe that player's been gaming their whole life, and and maybe they're twice as old as you, or maybe this is their first game ever, and this is you know the first hour of any game they've ever played. So you know there there's different experiences of different people, and there's there's of course different personalities to go along with that, and 
you know, with with more experience of gaming, you, you find out what styles you like and and what styles you don't like and what things you like and what things you don't like. Just like you know, with food or or movies or any other you know category in life, you you get more experience and you uh, learn more stuff. And uh, people you meet all the time may or may not have shared experience. So just something to think about there. Uh, I don't know if it's interesting or helpful, but there it is. So in picking up the new old music, I was thinking about remakes and movies and, you know, the, the classic version versus the remakes. Like, for those of you who caught it, the, the first new music was from the Flash Gordon movie. And there was a, a recent remake of, a, well, it's not really a, a remake because it was a TV series, but Sci-Fi did a, a TV series of Flash Gordon, which was actually really awesome. I am very sad that they stopped doing it. And also there's the new coming up uh, Conan movie, which uh, the original Conan music uh, just played. But, um, you know, that that brings up the the topic of, you know, um, originals versus remakes. And personally, I'm all for remakes if there's been a gap in time. I don't know if there's necessarily a need or a desire from the people to do a remake if it's something recent. However, some things in recent times could probably do with a remake because their sequels kind of messed up the whole shtick of it. <coughs> Excellent. <coughs> so, in my opinion is that that I like I like remakes, and in some cases, like with the original classic Star Trek and the remake of the new Star Trek movie that just came out a few years ago, it was awesome. And I, th- I think part of the reason for me why it was so awesome is because they preserved pretty much all of the classic Star Trek elements, but brought it into the sort of new school, modern world. I mean, the, the old school classic Trek has a very stylized way, I, I guess you could say about it. I mean, it, it was made in, I think the, the IMDb said 66. And, you know, it had that very slow pacing, long shots. And, you know, there was action, but, you know, it was pretty much a, a super action TV show of the day, I think, from what I heard. Um, I caught it on reruns, obviously. But it, it was a very different feel than, than the modern series. I mean, the modern Star Trek, if you've seen it, is is much more action-oriented, very over-the-top, I guess, but in a way that is more accurate to the, the style of the, the Star Wars universe and the modern universe and what space combat probably would really be like if space combat were to actually exist. And so my hopes are that, you know, we continue with these sort of good trends in doing remakes. And the Conan one kind of makes me wince a little bit. The original Conan was not like the Conan that's that's being remade. And from the few stories of Conan that I've read, I, I granted have not read a, more than maybe a half dozen, but that is not the Conan I know. The Conan I know is not charging into battle with, you know, hundreds of guys around him going, Rah! killing everybody. You know, he's a thief that sneaks in with a couple of people 
to go with him, maybe a small company, but he's pretty much a loner from what I know, and this is not the Conan that I know. If I were to give it an appropriate title from what I've seen of the new trailer, it would be like Conan the Epic Levels. It's a very different style than than what I would have chosen. Although the the character, I, I think the, the actor that they chose uh, should do a good job. I mean, he, he looks very um, Conan-esque, I guess you could say, from, from the Conan that I've read. Conan was, you know, a more average but muscly kind of guy, and that's that's what he is, as opposed to the Arnie version of Conan, which was very pumped up and maximum pompitude, muscles everywhere, which is, you know, not the Conan as described in the, the books. Maybe a little bit more so in the comics. I, I didn't read his comics, but from what I saw of the, the comics, he was a little bit more muscled than, than described in the books. So that's just some some closing thoughts on the uh, the rabbit opinion of the the future and uh, you know hopes for the future in uh, terms of movies and TV shows. So here we are at the end of another Rabbit Ramblings podcast. Um, I'm still having a good time. I actually looked at my web statistics and there are quite a bit more people than I expected um, listening. In theory. If I took the total number of downloads of MP3 files, which it, it doesn't distinguish by by specific one, uh, it might have if I if I thought to do this sooner. But anyways, if I divided them out by the number of existing podcasts already, there are somewhere around 40 listeners, which is quite a bit more than I thought. I thought there would only be like a dozen or so at most. And uh, 40 is quite a bit more than, than I thought. It's not, you know, like a 1,000 or something, which would be awesome. But uh, it's not, uh, you know, half a dozen or a dozen like I thought it would be. So that is cool. Hey, everybody. Um, I hope you're having a good time. Uh, I'm still having a good time. And um, that's it for this time. You get extra bonus long time. Um, maybe it's a trend. Who knows? And uh, I will see everybody next time. Okay, thanks, bye. This isn't happening, Dale. We're not here. It's just a bad dream. Oh, I agree completely. Why, well, we'll wake up any minute to Carver and have a laugh about all this. Good thing that went off now. So when I, when I, man, do it now. Talk about Arnie the Barbarian and the Conan remake and remakes in general. You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www dot rabbit dot com slash podcast slash rabbits ramblings dot html when you type rabbits ramblings don't use a space if you would like to send me an email you can do so at rabbit at rabbit dot com 
If you friend me, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. Whenever you type rabbit in any of those, be sure to, to put a one in place of I. Rabbit's Rambling is copyright 2011 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribute Sharealike license.